2014, uh, I could have come up with something else. But it basically is a few things we can look at which will help us launch into 2014 uh, a little better than we'd otherwise be able to do. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, so to begin with, guys, uh, some of us may have felt that the past year was like a wilderness or that the time that awaits us in 2014 uh, may look like a wilderness. Uh, but let me define a wilderness for you first so you understand what a wilderness is. A wilderness is a phase that you may be going through that is unmapped. So it could be something that awaits you or it may be something that um, has already passed. Chris, I forgot, so I can call you up later. Pardon? I said I hope it's yeah. And uh, so wilderness is either t uh, a phase that is unmapped, or it's terrain that's hostile, or it's terrain that's hostile, or it is ground that is testing, or it's a space in which you feel trapped. So when I say the past year may have been like a wilderness, um, I'm talking about wilderness in terms of a phase that is unmapped. You have no idea uh, because you don't have a map, you don't have a plan. It's terrain that's hostile. It's space that you feel trapped in or ground that is ground for testing. And the strange thing is, guys, it won't magically change on December 31st. Wildernesses don't change on December 31st. So what should change? You should change so that you can deal with the wilderness and dismantle legends and myths that Christians have created about the wilderness. Because there are books, hundreds of books written on how to uh, handle life when you're in the wilderness. And I would suggest to you that most of them are reflections of people who, who've been through the wilderness and didn't know how to get out of it, so they wrote a book. Because you'll be surprised, you'll be surprised at what a wilderness can do for us. I'm not going to make the wilderness sound like a charming uh, Disneyland or Hawaii, but, but it's fascinating when you actually look at wildernesses, how different it is from what we think it is. So first, there are different ways you may have gotten into the present wilderness you're in. Eh? There are different ways you may have gotten into the wilderness that you're presently in. For instance, you can wander into the wilderness like Moses did in Exodus 3 uh, verse 1. And the Bible says that Moses had a sheep and he was going around with them and he ended up in the wilderness uh, behind Mount Horeb. Exodus 3 1. You can wander into the wilderness. It just so happened that in the way life worked out for you, you've wandered into a phase that is unmapped. You've wandered into a ground that is testing. You've wandered into a space that feels like a trap. And you've wandered into a terrain that's hostile. That's what happened to Moses. He just wandered into the wilderness. Let's look at another guy. You can wander into wilderness or you can be driven into the wilderness. Hagar. Hagar in chapter Genesis chapter 21 verse 14. Hagar was driven into the wilderness. Sometimes guys, people in your life or circumstances in your life can drive you into a wilderness. Stop looking into my notes. So, Hagar was driven into the wilderness. In a sense by Sarah. The Bible actually says, Genesis 21, 14. So she's driven into the wilderness. She's lying there in the wilderness. She moves away from her son Ishmael, a bow shot away, because she doesn't want to see him die. Besides being driven into the wilderness, you can flee into the wilderness. That's, that's the case with some of us in this church. We fled into the wilderness as Elijah did. Pressures began to mount up. Things weren't looking the way they should look. We fled into the wilderness. Elijah, 1 Kings 19.1. And so 1 Kings 19.4 uh, actually. Elijah fled into the wilderness. And God sees him fleeing into the wilderness. Or you can be sentenced to the wilderness. That isn't a happy place to be in. Eh? Try to avoid that one. You can be sentenced to the wilderness as Cain was. 
In Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, Cain is sent east of Eden. And trust me, those days, Eden was the most beautiful, pleasant, delightful place in the world. And everything outside that was not very pleasant. He sent east of Eden to nod. But he was sentenced to the wilderness. If that's the case, quickly repent. That one try to avoid. Don't be sentenced to the wilderness. Because remember, a wilderness is a place that's unmapped. It's a terrain that's hostile. It's a space that feels like a trap. And it's ground where, where testing happens. And finally there's Jesus, who was led into the wilderness by who? By the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. So this is the first thing we need to know about this whole wilderness experience. If you're in it, find out why you are there. Very important eh, that you find out why you're there. Or not why you're there. Sorry. Find out how you got there. What was, what caused you to end up in the wilderness? Because it ain't going to change on December 31st. You are going to change. Here's the other thing then. Regardless of how you got into the wilderness, guys, God always meets people and speaks to them in the wilderness. Listen, listen to this. Eh? This is where the myth about wilderness just need, need to be broken. God always speaks in the wilderness. Always speaks. God will meet you and speak to you in the wilderness. The wilderness will always have provision. In the wilderness, there's an overwhelming revelation of God. In the wilderness, there's a returning with power, except in the case of Cain. Let me say that again. In every wilderness, God is present, He comes to meet you, and He speaks. In every wilderness, there is provision. In every wilderness, there is an overwhelming revelation of God. Not, not a small revelation, an overwhelming revelation of God. And in every wilderness, you return with power. Take any of those instances. Moses. What happens to him in the wilderness, behind Mount Horeb, in the backside of the desert? Who meets him? God. How? Burning bush. Overwhelming revelation of God. First time in the history of the world. I am who I am. Where did that happen? In the wilderness. Was he given provision? He was given provision and he was given Aaron. Let's move one step forward. Look at Hagar. Hagar was driven into the wilderness. What happens to there? The God she does not know meets her there. Calls himself the God who sees. Provision. There was provision for her and her child. Overwhelming revelation. Your son will be the leader of a new nation. Go on. Elijah. After years of successful ministry... He has an amazing revelation in that cave. The storm goes by, the fire goes by, the quake goes by, and then there's a small voice. And he eats, and the meat that he ate sustained him for 40 days and nights as he went to the mountain of God, Horeb, in the wilderness. God meets you, there's an overwhelming revelation, there is provision that can sustain you for 40 days and 40 nights. Cain, he went into the wilderness, and the words preceding his dismissal, talks about how God said, I will put a mark on you, so that none will strike you. Even a man sentenced into the wilderness had God meeting him, and had a revelation of God, and was kept safe. Jesus was met by angels, sustained, and he came back with power and his ministry began. Dismiss the myth that a wilderness in your life, a ground of testing, an unmapped phase in your life, a terrain that's hostile, or a space that looks like a trap, is going to be a space where God is not. God is. And you come back, you return with greater power always. Embrace this, guys, because there are too many lies about wildernesses. By famous people and not famous people. Go ahead, Diana. Which is a lie. The only place that exists is where the satyrs and the jackals dwell. Isaiah. It's a lair of demons. And even there God is. There is no wilderness in which God is not. 
It is our blindness, it's our way to comfort ourselves when we don't hear God. Every, I mean, I've read famous guys. They, I, 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 I love what they teach. I listen to them. And they'll go through a period when they can't hear God and they'll call that a wilderness. They couldn't hear God because of some other reason. But God is in every wilderness. The Bible proves it again and again and again. Show me a wilderness where God was not. Show me a person or a people in the wilderness where God was not. Where these three things weren't met. Provision, an overwhelming revelation and a returning with power. Except in the case of Cain because he was sentenced into the wilderness and yet kept safe even there. So yes, some of you have had wildernesses in 2013. But know, know what awaits you. If you don't know this about the wilderness, what will happen is, you'll pitch tent there, and you'll come out of it complaining, bitter, whining, resigned, dry, hungry, weak. If, if, if you don't know what I've just said about the wilderness, you will either pinch te- pitch tent there, or you'll come out of it complaining, bitter, whining, resigned, dry, hungry, weak. But if you know this about the wilderness, you will convert it into pools of fresh water, man. You will find streams in your desert. You will emerge with a greater revelation of God than your peers. You think, Marcus hasn't come away with a greater revelation of God after what he went through. You think Lorian hasn't come with a greater revelation of God because of what Marcus went through? Ryan's cool hand looks, so we leave him out of that. Use this to our advantage, guys. The knowledge of this truth can really set you free. Any questions before we go on? Uh, the first five reasons I gave you. One, you can wander into it, like because um, you weren't necessarily paying attention. You can end up in a place that's hostile, a uh, place that's unmapped, uh, or God can sometimes lead you there, or you can be driven into the wilderness by circumstances and peoples where they push you into a place where there's testing, where you feel trapped. You can be, you can flee into the wilderness because that's sometimes what we do. Just flee into the wilderness, like re- resignation. I would suggest to you that when the church desires to get raptured, that's resignation. God will come when He needs to come. We shouldn't be so eager to leave this earth. The earth needs us. The body of Christ needs to be here on earth. And the other reason is, you can be led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Guys, it will come to a point where you will not be afraid of the wilderness. You will never think of the wilderness as a lousy place. It will be, this is where God is even more present. This is where I will have an overwhelming revelation of Him. This is where there will be more provision than ever before. Was there provision in the desert? Oh my God, there was meat and bread every day. Sure, they got tired after 12,000 days of eating that. But perhaps they they had their own little recipe books. Manna banana, manna cake, manna this, manna that. All kinds of things. Any other questions? Because he leads you out. It's a phase. It's a phase. See, the thing that God is interested in most is what? I know that's such a such a general question. Here's what it is. The thing he wants to see in me most is growth that will conform me to the nature of Christ. Therefore, there will be phases that will happen in my life where he'll be, the, the more absent people and the more tough the circumstances, the more present him, his provision and his overwhelming revelation. When does a dad hold his child's hand more tightly? Not at home. Outside, when crossing the road when it's a place where it's scary. That's when the father grabs the... I mean, I'm not a dad, but with my nephew and niece, and remember, I'll hold their hand a little tighter. Hold Hannah and Caleb's hand really tight as I walk. 
because I'm in a place where there's a big crowd or I need to cross the road. Same principle, guys. Do you see the, solid, the wilderness as a more solitary place where God is taking away from other people? It can be. And That's when He leads you into the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah, he, and you can return with power. Happened with Jesus. I mean, Anne and Kamal are in a fine place, unmapped territory. They just retired as in real retirement, unlike that other guy, Derek. So, so uh, unmapped territory, but great, great. This is where the provision of God, the overwhelming revelation of God, and the release in power of God will now happen. You think all these things that are going to happen in 2014 where I'll be involved, at least in my life, in terms of all this, is, is something I look forward to or know how to do? No, I don't. But I'm so kicked at the overwhelming revelation of God I will have in 2014 to be able to do it. Otherwise, I'll just... Yeah. The second part then. So next time you use the wilderness, clap and laugh smile because it's really not not what it's been made out to be and don't buy a book on the wilderness it won't help you it'll only reinforce um, the experiences of others that were perhaps not happy there the next thing is guys uh, as you go for leave this year and go forward uh, fearlessness eh? and I'll tell you and we talked about this uh, on December 1st but I couldn't complete it Deuteronomy 31.6 puts it this way. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them or because of situations. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Ah, I've heard this leave you nor forsake you so many times. Doesn't do anything for me. You have no idea how bad my circumstances are. Again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and terrified because of them, be it people or situations. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. What is the first requirement, guys, for f- to be fearless? What is the, we talked about it uh, four weeks ago. What is, what is the first requirement to walk in something fearlessly? Yeah. Did God direct you? The way to live fearlessly is, did I hear God as I move forward? What is God saying in Deuteronomy 31? Listen, I am telling you that I am going with you. And now Israel can respond. If you are going with us, then we need not fear. The way to live fearlessly, the primary requirement for living fearlessly in any situation, in with anybody, in anything, is what are you directing me to do? And once you know that, now you can be fearless. Practice that, guys. Because once I hear God, I'm, I overcome fear because it's God who's leading, God is going before me. Fear, fear takes a second, the back seat. It occasionally crops up, but I keep going back to Go ahead, Matt. I'll get there in 2 minutes and 23 seconds. (laughs) I mean, you ask questions that I'm going to answer, man. What can I do? Guys, once you hear God, here's what happens. Fearlessness. Once you hear God, fearlessness translates into focus, into focus, into foolishness, And into function, and I'll explain that. Once you hear God on anything, fearlessness is replaced by focus. And I'll explain what I mean by focus. Fearlessness is expla- uh, replaced by focus as in, even though the fig tree has not bloss- blossomed, God and not the fig tree remain my obsession. Just think of this. God is telling you, um, Maurice, <laughs> that... Um, Okay, Maurice, uh, here's what I want you to do January 7th. I want you to buy a small plot of land in uh, um, Mission. And 
you are saying, but, but I'm dealing with a mortgage on my house now. And you want me to go buy a small plot of land? And God is saying, nope, I want you to go place a down payment of 3,000 bucks on the small plot of land in Mission. And you go to your bank and you've got 2,000 bucks there. And you're now beginning to question this whole thing. But clearly you've heard from God. You've verified it with others. But now your focus is no longer on the fig tree that is not blossoming, on your bank account or on your present mortgage, your focus is now an obsession with God even though the fig tree has not blossomed. The second thing that happens is once you hear from God, you can be foolish. And what does that mean? You sell your um, four-wheeler because you know that will be sufficient to pay a big down payment. And you sense God saying, sell the four-wheeler, I'll take care of you. And so you do something foolish, you go up with five stones, and are not daunted by the fact that Goliath is twice your size. And the last part of it is function, where you now begin to walk in faith, and you begin to see God do things. Everything in our lives, if we can live like this, in 2014, can you imagine what that's, all good people can see that circle. Uh, can you imagine what that will look like? Can you see it, Jason? Of course. <laughs> yeah. So, you hear God and these three things begin to happen. Try it, guys. Try it. It will always happen. So when I hear, what do I do first? And now to answer Matt's question. When I hear, first, uh, like Matt said, there are hundreds of things said in the Bible, but what about those things that are not said in the Bible? And trust me, half of life is full of things that are not specifically said in the Bible. And that is when now I have to train myself and I will begin tonight so that I'm already moving by the time I reach day after tomorrow where I'll train myself to ask him for every little thing. What's your opinion on it? What's your opinion on it? What do you want me to do? How, how do you think? What do you want me to do? I continuously ask. And then, but Jacob, I've done this and I've heard wrong. So big deal. You've gotten it wrong in so many areas of your life a hundred times. You never stop doing what you're doing. You go back and start again. And then the other thing I'd so do is when I think I've heard, I'll come and verify and check with someone. I'd so suggest to you that you do that. Go to someone who you know hears well and check with them. And may I present myself as someone who hears well. Come and check with me, man. Verify it with me. When you hear, come and say, Jacob, what do you think? I got a, I got a text message this morning from Eric. He sends God asking him to do something in uh, Vernon this morning in the church. And just before we started service, I got a text and he said... Um, um, would you, what, what do you suggest? I, I think God is saying this. What do you think? He is a pastor with actually greater experience than me. But he still sends it because he knows that I can hear. I would so suggest Acts 29, and this, is, this seems like such a boast, but it's not. I would so suggest to you that you take advantage of this grace in my life of hearing. You know what it will require of you? Humility. I do that, eh? I go and ask. It'll require humility. But do it. It's the way to live, guys. So once we hear God, our focus and our obsession is God. It's not what, what is or is not. Our foolishness is uh, scorned by people. They'd say, what's wrong with you, Jeff? Is this the way you're supposed to function? Yes! Because now you take five stones to go meet Goliath. And you begin to function in faith. You have feet that walk in works. Because Rosalind, if you say you have faith, show me your works. We've got to become people like this. One of the, one of the distinct um, characteristics of Acts 29 is that we are a hearing people. Now we've got to take it up another notch. I don't find it odd at all when you guys uh, speak during 
meetings, prayer, stuff like that. I expect us to be able to hear. This is the nature of the body of Christ. But verify it. Verify it. Come and check. Come and check. Not always with me. There are others you can check with. But I'd so suggest that you call me. Any questions before we... Guys, remember this. Anything you create here on earth without hearing is a golden calf. And a golden calf will nail you down just as it is nailed down. Anything that we create here on earth without hearing is a golden calf. And a golden calf will nail you down just as it is nailed down. A golden calf will require to be fed. A golden calf will demand that you worship. A golden calf will make you dance before it. Why? Because it does not have breath and life in it. Because it was molded with our hands and with our resources. When hearing is something that will always take us to a place where there will have to be a dependence on God. So as you approach the 31st, demolish golden calves. Break them. Make them into dust. Questions, comments? Before we move on. I like that sound you make, Bunnies, after each one. Okay, good. Good. Yeah, when something owns me and I'm unable to get rid of it, then I only have one choice. On one hand, I trust the work of the Spirit to help me, but on the other hand, I look for people who can help me. I desperately start looking for people who can help me because I know I cannot get rid of it on my own. But I won't let anybody walk into my boat. I will ask for people who can walk on water to step into my boat. And what do I mean by people who walk on water? People who have a thorough knowledge of the word. Who understand the nature of God. They can come into my boat and help me because I am not able to overcome it. And I'm telling you man, there have been so many instances in my life over the last 4-5 years where I needed help. And I still do. But there have been some major situations in my life where I needed help. Where if it wasn't for the help of others, it's impossible to break. So when something owns me, I always look for help. And then if I go to Jason for help, I now am not going to be um, picky and choosy about, well, that one sounds good and that one isn't. Now if I'm asking him for help and I think he is someone who can help me, now I'll listen to him. I place myself under him so that I can receive from him. And that again is hard and it requires that H word. Humility. That's the hard part. Jeff, just come up for a second, quickly. Quickly, quickly, quickly. I remember the last time, the first time I met Jeff, he came running around the church. That was the day we just started dancing in church. I still remember that. Father, we bless this man. And you're saying to him, son, um, I want you to know as you begin this new year. It's his birthday, by the way, guys. Yeah. As you begin this new year, I have the same favor on you this year as I did on Joseph. I want you to be aware of that, son. And I'm, the reason I'm declaring it publicly is so that everybody hears that this year that lies ahead, and it's not even 2014, it's whatever year of your life, is a year when I will show you my favoritism as I showed favoritism to Joseph. It's not that I won't discipline you differently. It's not that I won't, I'll give you extra allowance. No, 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 no. But I will treat you as a son, but I'll have a special favor upon you this year. You will see it. You will see it over the next two, three days itself. A token of my favor. So we thank you, Abba, for this fruitful branch. That's what we are going to call him for 2014. Here is a man who is a fruitful branch. A fruitful branch he is. Things will be added to you, son. The name Joseph means to be added to. Things will be added to you. So we bless this man, Father. We bless him. We thank you for this gift to this body. 
And we thank you that he'll be a fruitful branch this year. We thank you that you're going to add things to his life. And that he will bask in the ridiculous favor of the living God, the king of the universe. And we bless him now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Jeff. Guys, the next thing uh, that we all need to cultivate. Hey, by the way, I just read a thing on uh, Facebook today, uh, sent by a cousin of mine. And she wrote that this whole idea of New Year resolutions was started by the ancient Babylonians, who used to make resolutions when they started the New Year to appease their gods and to gain favor with them. And to walk right, but to appease their gods and gain favor with them. Ah, I don't know if it's true or not, but just thought I'll throw that out there. But, uh, so this is not a New Year resolution, it's just a practice. Uh, spiritual discipline, and what I mean by that is, guys, uh, your life is ordered by the things that you value most. Your life is ordered by the things that you value most, or by the thing you value most. If you value your spouse most, your entire life revolves around him or her. If you value your house most, then your entire life revolves around the house. Nothing wrong with valuing things, but your life is ordered by what you value most. And I would suggest to you that one of the things that we can develop over the year is consistency through spiritual discipline in terms of the word, begin to value the word in 2014. And by that I mean the chewing and the meditating on the word. Because uh, like it or not, Acts 29 is not as biblically literate as it should be. We are not as biblically literate as we should be. Let that be an area that we develop in. I mean, I, there was a time in my life where I used to read the Bible cover to cover every year I've stopped man life gets busy and I've stopped I want to return to that how many here want a one year bible it really helps a one year bible breaks a bible into 365 these things 1, 2, 3 4 yeah go ahead okay okay Okay, so five or six. Let's let's try and get some one-year Bibles. It really helps get into a disciplined pattern. And so if you don't finish in a year, finish in two years. But finish it. It'll be a disciplined approach to reading. I, I love what Matthew 26, 14 says, or 41 says. It says, there is a part of you, Jacob, that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. That's from the message. It says it very differently in the other versions. But just listen to this again. There is a part of you, Jacob, that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. Isn't that so true, man? December 15th this year. 2014 will be a dynamic year if you want it to be. December 22nd, 13. To the extent you go after it, it will be dynamic. To the extent that you run with it, for your own sake, I want you to break through and run with it. Let me read it again, guys. and May you embrace it as your heart responds to it. December 15th. 2014 will be a dynamic year. Dynamic is something which has motion in it, which has life in it. 2014 will be a dynamic year if you want it to be. December 22nd, 13, this is another word. To the extent you go after it, Jacob, it will be dynamic. To the extent that you run with it. For your own sake, I, w <laughs> I love this. For your own sake, I want you to. Break through and run with it. Break through and run with it. Thanks, June. Guys, the reason I'm suggesting that we revisit the word and start having a disciplined approach to it is because a lack of the word will produce apathy and dullness. A lack of the word in your life will produce apathy and dullness. And you will then end up becoming the architect of your own future. 
There's nothing as dangerous as that. When the word is not present, there is an apathy and a dullness that begins to descend on me. And when that happens, I become the architect of my own future because I'm no longer led by the thoughts of God because the only thing that can renew my mind is the word of God, man. So how can I approach 2014 and the opportunities and the obstacles that will be there if my mind is not renewed to tackle it the way I'm supposed to? So Jeff received a prophetic word right now that there will be favor upon him. That it's a Joseph-like year. That I will add to you. That uh, you will bask in my favor. And now, Jeff has a choice. He can either sit on that prophetic word, or he can go and begin reading the book of Genesis, where it talks about the life of Joseph. He sees different parts of how Joseph's life evolved. And as he begins to read it, he begins to understand the extent of the prophetic. And it begins to change his mind. It begins to change him as a husband, as a man of God, as a father, as one who works, as a gift to this body. He begins to change in every which way because it is the word of God that renews his mind. If not, an apathy and a dullness will descend on him. Because if you don't war with what has been spoken, then it is replaced by deception. Guys, remember this. Every time I avoid the word, that when I, when, I, when I don't allow the truth to affect me, and this is so true, guys, even when I speak here, even when I speak, or even if I'm listening to something else, that someone else is speaking, when I don't let the truth begin to come into my life, then delusion replaces it. Because the rejection of the truth or a dullness to the truth will always be met by either a religious spirit that follows after or delusion that follows after. Imagine that for a second. Let me say that again. Every time you resist the truth or I resist the truth and every time my ears decide that I do not want to participate in this truth, two things are following in its wake. One is a religious spirit that will try to take that very truth and make it traditional, legalistic and religious or a delusion will come. You will see it again and again in the history of the people of God both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. What happened when they rejected the truth that the carpenter brought? A dullness, an apathy, delusion settled on them. One of their own, one of the twelve a delusion settled on him to the point that he was deceived that Satan entered him. That's why it's best not to sleep in church. Because sometimes a spirit of stupor takes over and then you'll have to come back to Psalm 1 verses 2 and 3. For I shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Day and night I shall meditate on your word. And I shall bear fruit in season and out of season. The worst thing you and I can do, guys, is to become architects of our own future. Can't afford it. So may there be disciplined reading of the word. I so wish that for you and I. We will finish by 11.45, guys. So we're good. Uh, we'll be breaking bread on the 31st day. Eh? Uh, Psalm 77 verse 6 the next topic Psalms, what happened Tavis you don't look very happy Psalm 77 verse 6 I love the verse it says let me remember my song in the night let me meditate in my heart then my spirit made a diligent search and then it goes on to say more but just look at it we talked about this ages ago let me remember my song in the night let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Guys, um, here is another thing. That you, you know, this is something that is working well for me. One of the things, and you can ask my mom, mom about this, because initially when my mom came, uh, as soon as I would wake up, she'd come and sit where I'm sitting. And um, so after two days, I told her that, when I wake up and I come and sit there, can you just leave me alone for about an hour or so? Because I feel kind of conscious doing stuff in front of you. Because one of the things I enjoy doing is I'll, I'll walk and start singing and talking and 
occasionally a jig and stuff like that. And to do it with my mom sitting there is a little weird. So now my mom, as soon as I wake up, she'll come and say hello, and then she'll go into a room and shut the room so I can do my walking and talking and singing. But the whole idea is, guys, sing. Sing. Sing songs you know, and sing with words you don't have. I mean, Joan sends me songs that she writes. One day, Chris and Joan will sing that here. Or will play that here if they don't sing it. But begin to, begin to come up with your own songs. Sing. What should you do if you're barren? Sing, O oh barren woman. What should you do if your life is not producing? Sing. What should you do if your farms are not producing? Sing. Amazing. It doesn't say, O oh barren woman, go have someone lay hands on your womb. It doesn't say, O oh barren woman, pray. It doesn't say, O oh barren woman, walk in faith. It says, sing, O oh barren woman, for you shall have more children than the young ones. Sing. Secondly, meditate. And what is meditate? God-directed self-talk. God-directed self-talk. Psalm 77, 6 says, First, sing, Marcus. Sing. You've got enough to sing about for another 20 years. You're my favorite poster boy now. I tell people about you everywhere. Sing. And then meditate. Meditate is God-directed self-talk. So after you sing, you walk around in your room after your mom's gone into the other room and you start talking to yourself. And you're not telling yourself how wonderful you are. You're telling yourself how God thinks you're wonderful. God-directed self-talk. So it can be just one verse, guys. And you take that verse and now it becomes God-directed self-talk. What are you doing? You're renewing your mind. You are speaking what God is saying about you. You're hearing what God is saying about you. Your thoughts and your heart is changing. And then you burst out into song again because you can't keep it down. And then search diligently. Search. When you're stuck in something, when you can't understand something, go back and search. Go back and search. That's one thing I appreciate about um, this Anne. I'll get calls frequently during the week. Uh, can't understand this. Uh, I've been searching. I found the scripture. Search. Find out what God is saying. Speak it rather than voice your own feelings and experience. Search the heart of God, the mind of Christ. Guys, these are simple things we can do, eh? Simple things we can do this year. And finally, or finally almost, undo fear and control. Undo fear and control. And we won't be able to do it in a day, as in 2014, begin to chip away at control and at fear. Begin to chip away at control and fear in your life. Begin to chip away at it. Because control and fear always cripple progress. And control and fear ends up preserving old wineskins. Control and fear will always prevent progress and it will preserve old wineskins or old ways of thinking. Control and fear always do that. You will not change, I will not change my ways because I'm afraid and I want to be in control. Chip away at it. Chip away at it. If you, if you don't think you're controlling, come and ask one of us. We can point out a couple of areas. If you don't think you're afraid, ask your wife or your roomie. You know, you'll notice that whenever control is challenged or fear happens, you will find that there's agitation, confusion, and an inability to respond that takes over your life. Have you noticed that? How whenever your control is disturbed, you get agitated. Whenever fear happens, there's agitation, there's confusion, and an inability to respond. In, in that area, I admire Wayne. One of the things about Wayne Callahan is you don't find him getting agitated easily. You don't find him... Um, getting confused too easily. And I, I really, I was, I was writing then I thought of you, Wayne. Now if you could only correct the other 84 flaws you have, <laughs> you would be as perfect as I am. <laughs> but in this area, I find that uh, agitation, confusion, and an inability to respond uh, is a symptom 
of underlying of this underlying disease of fear and control and what's the opposite you'll find that people who do not have issues of control and fear are people who are transparent and calm not just calm they are transparent people who do not have an issue with control and fear are transparent surprising you would think transparency and then what is that amazing how when we are controlling we are um, less transparent when we are con- when we have fear we are less transparent there's agitation there's confusion but people who have no control in the, uh, who are not honed in on control you'll find them being more transparent more calm unfortunately that's not where i'm at man i may not have much fear but i certainly have control issues with control want to chip away at it so that at the end of 2014 it'll be far less than the amount that there is in my life right now want to finish every time i usurp responsibility for managing areas of my life i abdicate dependence on god every time i usurp responsibility for managing areas of my life i abdicate dependence on god let me say that again every time i use up i use up responsibility for managing my life meaning when i say okay god great you're god but i can handle this one can you please give it back to me cuz you just mess up things i can control it every time i use up responsibility for the management of my affairs from god i suddenly abdicate dependence on god and as long as i have this conceited self righteous idea that i can do something and that god can occasionally help here's what god will do he will let me break my neck on the ignorance or he'll break let me break my neck of ignorance on some obstacle or the other so morris in your situation your only way out man is to know what god is saying anything else will bring in unnecessary fear and confusion in our situations with our children where decisions have to be made where things have to be done the only way is to know what god is saying with your mom you got to know what is god saying how do you want me to be with derek's new job father how do you want me to be you've taught me things for 7 years uh 7 months now teach me how to function in this present job situation with ann and kamal father we are retiring we are going to be just like dagmar now show us which is a good thing dagmar now show us what we do with this life and you got to direct us otherwise we'll be planting potatoes in our backyard this is the only way guys so may you and i develop the awe the wonder the helplessness and the dependence of a child as it says in mark 10:15 and then what will happen when i become like that when i have the awe and the wonder and the dependence and the helplessness of a child god will hover over me he'll hover over me he'll hover over me and he'll just chisel steps for me to walk in last one which we won't talk about today but we'll keep for the new year is world meet god that's our slogan for 20 14 every time you meet somebody hey lin Hi. meet god and not for a moment are you assuming that you're god but the only way that the world will meet god is through the body of christ not the only way the primary way the primary vehicle of god here on earth is the body of christ which is part of the kingdom of god ah we'll talk about that another day but you need to understand world meet god world meet god this is what's happening world meet god world meet god that's a slogan that you are a sign you're a symbol and you're a taste of the kingdom a symbol as in this is what god looks like Ugh! can you imagine that guys to say with jesus in 2014 if you have seen me you have seen the father first with your spouse and your mother which is the hardest thing to do by the way it's easier to do that with the world world meet god 
Stop laughing, Lorian. <laughs> but that's where it starts, guys. First, uh, to be able to tell the world, this is what God looks like. This is what God looks like. You become a symbol. And then you become a sign. As in a sign saying, this way too. This way to healing. This way to forgiveness. This way to reconciliation. And then you become a taste of the kingdom. Where they taste your life and they say, my God, this tastes different. World meet God. But we'll talk about that next week. Think of this, eh? Why is it that if you were called to serve Obama in Obama's uh, White House tomorrow, or if you were called to be a spokesman or a rep for the Queen tomorrow, why is it that it's such a prestigious privilege? Why is it that the entire way you dress, the way you present yourself, why is it that everything will change tomorrow if you became Obama's spokesman? or the Queen's representative? Why does it carry so much prestige? Why is it such a privileged position? Why will you change your wardrobe? Why will you change the way you walk into an aircraft? Why will it change the way you function? Why? There's something about it that will change you. But why is it that I don't find what I do at present as a big enough privilege or as prestigious? Why can I continue the way I continue? Ponder on these questions. We'll talk about it. Why is it that the White House fascinates me? But the king before whom I was weeping today and saying, creator king, why is it that I don't think he is bigger than Obama? Even though I know he is. Because for us to be able to go out there and say, world meet God, Something has to change in here. And over the next few weeks, we'll be talking about that. Hey, I enjoyed worshipping with you today. I really enjoyed worshipping with you today. I thought we were a people worshipping today. I thought, my God, I'd rather be nowhere than here today. So can you sit on the piano and we'll sing happy birthday. Thanks, Wayne. You can cut it off now. <laughs>